there's no one way to deal with challenging circumstances. Everybody grieves different, but everybody deals with it differently. I think it's important to determine what you believe and ask yourself, are my current beliefs going to help me deal with the transition as is, or do I need to incorporate some different perspectives? And we can do that without abandoning our core beliefs. Welcome to the podcast, Share Your Story, Exploring Humanity One Heart at a Time. I am your host, Jenny Diltz, and I help people convert their grief into growth in their own way and in their own time. This is a podcast where we dive deeply into the stories that make us who we are and show us who we can become. Together, we share real-life experiences of growth through our grief. I can be found at grievingcoach.com. Make sure you subscribe to the show so you don't miss exclusive interviews and some of my own tidbits and insights on grief. This time of year, we often think of our loved ones and how they have impacted our lives. I am grateful for you and all the ways that you have enriched my life. It's also a time of reflection. There's a lot of introspection and evaluation as we close out the year and think about what went well what didn't, and what we'd like to do differently in the new year. As I've been reflecting on my Share Your Story podcast, I have decided to change things up a bit. Starting in January, we will be moving from a weekly schedule to releasing an episode every other week with special subscription-only content on some of the off weeks. So make sure you subscribe to the show so you don't miss anything. Another change will be the quality of my interviews. Not only will the stories and experiences of my guests be more meaningful and impactful, I will be sharing more of my insights and perspectives on grief as well. Because the episodes tend to be longer as far as podcasts go, moving to a bi-weekly schedule will give you, the listeners, more time to process and reflect on the information and insights we share during our conversations. And as always, if you would like a travel buddy and a guide to accompany you in your own grief journey, visit my website, grievingcoach.com, to schedule a time to chat with me. Together, we will begin by finding one simple tool that you can implement today to help you in your individual journey in your own unique way. May you all feel loved and supported, especially through this time of the year. All right, welcome to another episode of the Share Your Story series. On this episode of Share Your Story, I will be talking with my first guest, Dave Roberts, and his friend, Patty Furino. Dave and Patty have recently co-authored the book, When the Psychology Professor, Psychology Professor Met the Minister. And it tells of how they met and the adventures they've had together. Dave is a licensed social worker and he became a parent who experienced the death of a child when his daughter Janine died of cancer on the 1st of March, 2003, at the age of 18. He is a retired addiction professional and an adjunct professor in the psychology and psychology child life department at Utica College in Utica, New York. Dave has been a workshop facilitator and a keynote speaker on the national level for organizations such as the Compassionate Friends and the Bereaved Parents of the USA. He has also co-presented a workshop titled Helping Faculty After Traumatic Loss for the Parkland, Florida community in May of 2018. 
in the aftermath of the mass shootings at Stoneman Douglas High School. Dave has also done numerous workshops at the local and regional levels related to transformation from grief and loss. Patty was ordained an interfaith minister in June of 1998 at the St. John of the Divine Cathedral. She chooses to walk a sacred path, obtaining wisdom from a variety of spiritual practices and philosophies. The goal of her ministry work is to empower others to discover and develop their own unique life paths. Her hope is to inspire a peaceful perspective for people during their challenging times. She feels sometimes people just need someone to bear witness to their stories and offer hope. Spending time with her, most people feel they have found a lifelong friend. She has found great satisfaction inspiring others during their challenging times. She believes she is brought into people's lives through divine intervention and views her life as a sacred journey. Dave, welcome back to the show. And Patty, welcome for the first time. I'm so excited to, to have back, you. Johnny. It's great to be back, Jenny. I'm excited about this conversation. So are we. <laughs> and I'm, I'm super excited, too, to hear more about your story together and how that has, how it began and how it's developed over the years and the adventures that you've had together. Okay. You want to start, Pat, or you want me to? I think it's great when it starts from your point of view, because uh, that's really basically the story is how... Uh, this, the universe <laughs> brought us together. Go ahead, yep, Dave. <laughs> literally. Um, well, first of all, we need to, to talk about how we first met. And we met over the phone initially through a very unusual set of circumstances, which turned out to be all part of spirits, the universe, God's creators, whoever, whatever you believe, planned to bring us together. I had in, in 2010... In September 2010, I had been one of the coordinators for a conference called Beyond Words, um, Creative Approaches to Grief. And we we did this in a night in New York at the Turning Stone Casino in their, you know, in, in their conference center. And I was the point person for the committee for registration. We had registration set up online. So it was August 25th. And in fact, Patty and I had remarked that just a couple of days ago, August 25th, was actually the 11th anniversary of us meeting. She called me because she had had everything set up for registration. She had her workshops picked. She was double checking, double checking payment method. And all of a sudden, her screen just went dark. It just went blank. Um, that was the only registrant of the conference that that happened to. No, it didn't happen to anybody else, but it happened to Patty. So she saw the number on the bottom to call if there was a problem or to call if you had any questions. So it was my number, and she called me. And we, the first thing we did is we, we got her registered over the phone. I said, you're all set. And then we just started talking about our backgrounds. And I had asked her, because my perspective, the first thing I'd always asked is, is have you lost a child? Um, mm -hmm. And that was the first thing that, that I asked. I thought that might have been what drew her to the conference. She told me that she hadn't lost a, a child, but that she had worked very closely with many parents at the Angel of Hope in Long Island, which I believe was in Rockefeller Park in Long Island. Huh? 
Um, Eisenhower Park. Eisenhower, Eisenhower Park. Park in East Meadow, Long Island. That's, that's all right. I, I, it's okay. For some it's, reason, it's all right. That, 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 that was my corner of the world. That, that's all right. <laughs> well, at least your viewers know I'm not perfect. I can make a mistake now. So, um, but, um, so, and she worked with many, she was a coordinator and she was, she was a coordinator, volunteer coordinator with the Angel of Hope. And she worked with many parents at that site. And there, I know there were two young men that had profoundly affected her, who, and it, who had been really a part of her family, that when they had transitioned, there were a, a lot of tears that she shed over them. Of course, I shed tears over, over Janine. So we shared tears and stories. And I vowed that when I saw her at the conference, I would give her, give her a bear hug. But here's the other thing that she asked me. And she reminded me of this when we were writing a book. She goes, I asked you, she goes, do you ever get a sign from your daughter? And I said, you know, I really don't put too much stock in signs. And the reason I said that, and, I, and I, we alluded to this in the book, is that where I was in my grief, and even seven years down the road, signs were kind of a bittersweet experience for me. Mm -hmm. um, it was like, okay, I, I know, she, I I'm, think she's trying to tell me that she's okay, and we're going to meet again. But every time I got what I believed was a sign, it was a reminder of her physical absence. Now, as part of my perspective shift, when I get a sign from her, and I get signs regularly, it's not a reminder of what I lost, it's a reminder of what I have, which is a continued bond with her. And that's one of the things that Patty helped me to understand. Mm -hmm. Um so I saw her, and so I said, well, I did tell her one thing. I said, you know, I think I got a sign one time on Father's Day in 2009 where I got a double rainbow. So we're at the conference. She's at the last workshop of the day, and I happened to be kind of moderating that workshop. And I, I said, so I look, and I said, Patty Farino, is that you? And she said, well, yeah. I said, well, I'm Dave Roberts. I said, I'm here for that hug. So I gave her a hug, and then she whispers in my ear, she goes, I saw this, I saw a rainbow, and I think I got a, it was a sign from your daughter. Now, Jenny, by that time, I was so spent from the conference. You could have told me you saw, she saw Elvis herself at a 7-Eleven, and I probably would have had the same reaction. You know, I was just, I said, oh, that's great. And I'm thinking of that's so great. Another, another, another sign, you know, mm -hmm. but I, I wasn't in the space to really process that. But what I found out later was that there was this magnificent double rainbow. And if any of your, your listeners or viewers or subscribers are from New Jersey, Route 17, New Jersey, her and her husband, Marco, were coming back, I think, from a, a, a weekend you know, vacation. And they saw this magnificent double rainbow across the sky on Route 17. And her husband was so taken with, she goes, Pat, we got to get a video of this. So she took videos of it. And during the course of the video, and when we read this part in the book, I, I always I always tear up when I heard this. She heard this voice in her saying, I need you to talk to my father. Okay. So she's saying, I'd love to talk to your father, but who is he? And I'm paraphrasing this. Who is uh -huh. who's your father? She goes, you just talked to him a week ago. Okay. And she knew who it was immediately. She knew it was me. So at the conference, she said, if you ever decide you want to come to Long Island, okay, you could stay with me and, and my husband, Marco, and, you know, I'll show you my Long Island. So that's kind of how this all this happened. Mm -hmm. Did you want to pick up from here, Pat, or you want me to continue? Yeah, yeah I, I, I'd be happy to. Um, okay. it, the way, and it was interesting because the way that when we saw it that day, my husband was so 
were driving along and, and there would be no reason why there would be a rainbow because there were no raindrops in the air. There was no moisture. It was just a clear sky. Marco literally pulled over saying, this is like scientifically crazy. This doesn't happen. That's my husband's very science-based and I'm very spiritual. And uh-huh. he's like, you got to take video of this. And I took video and we're talking. It stayed in the sky for five minutes. Like we pulled over, it took the video, took pictures, get back on the road. And it's still in the sky going from one side all the way to the other in front of us. Like it was just set there. It was amazing. I actually still have video still have photos because it was on your phone. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah, save yeah. everything. So when I saw Dave, I during that time I was hearing, because that's part of why I went to the seminary, is as a child, I already was starting to hear voices and I had my secret friends. My secret friends um, as a young child living in a household that was very Roman Catholic. My secret friend was Jesus and Mary, and then there were two bald men in robes that I now can refer to as Buddhist monks, Mm -hmm. and then there were Indians. They would show up um, in my mind's eye, my imaginary place, and I would have conversations with them, and they always offered me wisdom. So I went to the seminary to understand. I had many mentors show up in my life from Mm -hmm. when I was a child all the way through, and one mentor said to me, you know, it might help you to go to the same school I did, which was the new seminary out of New York City. It's a serious program. This was back in 1990s, like 1994-95. He was a mentor in my life. Um, Maybe even sooner than that. 1993, I think I met him. And 94, 95, 96, I started the seminary in 96, was ordained in 1998. That was before spiritual became a word Mm -hmm. or a common word. Yeah. So... I had learned in the seminary that there are many spiritual practices, many ways to connect to the higher wisdom and find clarity and find peace and love and joy through many spiritual practices. So after my ordination, I sat for hours and hours exploring and understanding and not telling anybody because there were a lot of opinions about somebody going outside of their Catholicism of all things right. and going to an interfaith seminary. So now when I meet Dave, I don't know what he believes. I don't know his background. So I was always very gentle and careful whenever I met someone and I heard a voice, let's just say, or a nudge to say something to them. Most of the time, I didn't know why I was saying it, but I knew that I had to. So when I heard a voice in my head that day is, I need you to speak to my father. And I'm like, and, and who's your father? And I'm recognizing only a week before, because that date was September 3rd that that happened. Yep. It was my husband and mine's wedding anniversary. We'd gone away upstate. Somebody had loaned us their cabin. Uh-huh. And uh, we ended up having to come home that same day um, because of extenuating circumstances. So it literally was a drive like four or five hours upstate. And I didn't feel good. And we had to go back home to get some ear medicine for me. And and turning around and going back home, literally the same day, that's when this rainbow appears. So when I said to him, and I hugged him, I said, you know, I think your daughter sent me a double rainbow. He just kind of, yeah. So now I, I, I said to him, if you ever come to Long Island, please look me up. I'd like to show you my Long Island. That's all that I said to him. Mm-hmm. Because the rest, you leave it up to the universe. You leave it up to their loved ones to yeah. manifest what that person needs. So literally within a week, I got a phone call (laughs) 
from this man that I met. <laughs> hi, remember me? You said to give me a call. And I said, yeah, you know, hi. And he says, well, listen, there's a, I got a notification of a colleague of mine who's doing a seminar, a one-day um, workshop or seminar. I'm not quite sure what we called it, um, but it was Embracing the Power of Change. Check out that name, <laughs> Embracing the Power of Change. This man had written a book, and he was doing a one-day um, workshop for parents who'd lost children. And Dave said he wanted to go down to see him. He says, and I don't know anything about Long Island, and I remembered your offer and wondered, you know, where would be a good place to stay? And I said, Oh, you're definitely staying with me. And he's like, uh, um, where do you live? You know, are you married? I said, yeah, yeah, my husband, he's really good. He's a good Brooklyn Italian. (laughs) (laughs) And David's perspective was what, Dave? I said, I I probably asked her in the course between the time and November, about probably several hundred times, are you sure he's going to be okay with this? Because I'm thinking to myself, if he's a Brooklyn Italian, I could see him like, you know, sculpted. They were featuring the Godfather. Yeah, yeah, I was picturing the Godfather, you know, or just some some mafia. You say, take your hands off my wife. You know, you say, and when I and then when I, I met him, I could see I was I was really just worried for nothing because he's just the most gentle, just really just trusting and grounded person. And he's taken, he took me right into his home. Um, and you know, we've kind of like become, you know, both Patty and I, we say we're brothers and sisters from another mother, but he's been a big part of that. Um, and he also did the design for the book. He did the book design, he did the cover, he did everything. So, um, and that's, he did all the graphics, which he, which he's brilliant at. So So here I I tell this man, total stranger. Okay. He says, "Well, well, what do I do? How do I get to Long Island? Because Dave is somebody that loves his upstate world. It's, you know, not a lot of, you know, like San Francisco, there's a lot going on. But (laughs) if you go into the mountains, there are people that, you know, live in this very comfortable world. Um, And going into the city is something different. He was saying to me, so how do I, you know, what's the best way to do it? Should I take the train? Should I drive or fly? I said, well, the fastest and easiest would be flying and I'll pick you up at the airport. Okay, so, um, you know, the whole plan is all together going to meet him at the airport and I'm leaving early because I have to do an errand for my husband and I'm at the light right next to my house and I hear him ahead no you have to head straight to the airport like I have I gave myself a half hour easy extra time so my instincts are telling me to go right to the airport that's that's interesting okay but I've learned you trust those instincts (laughs) And I get to the airport literally, and I'm always somebody that parks at the top of a parking lot in an airport. Just, I don't know. I just like to be on the top. So I park. I'm there 45 minutes early. I got there in no time. And I I go to park, turn the car off, and my phone rings. Hi, Pat. Um, It's Dave. We just landed. I know we're real early. I just started giggling. <laughs> like, and I'm like, okay, the magic's going to begin yeah. right away. <laughs> and, and, and when Pat's done, I got to backtrack in terms of what, how this all set up when you're, when okay. you're done, Pat. Go ahead, Dave. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go backtrack. I'm going to go backtrack now to the Beyond Words conference. It's a Saturday after. I have three conference presenters, three of the major conference presenters in the car. I'm taking them. I live... For those of you who are listening and don't know, I live in upstate New York, a place called Whitesboro, New York, which is five hours probably east from New York City, and we're upstate New York, so we got all the scenic beauty of the Adirondacks. So I wanted to take them to Old Forge, 
which is one of the nicer picturesque towns in the Adirondacks. And the three individuals in the back were having this intense conversation about spirituality, about life after death. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, and I think this was, in retrospect, my soul called out for this. I said, I want to be where they are. Okay, meaning that I wanted to have, be able to have enough knowledge of spirituality where I could use some of those tools to help me progress in my journey and eventually come to acceptance of the fact that I'm living a life without the physical presence of my daughter. Mm-hmm. So I had asked, I said to the universe, I'm ready. Okay. So this set the stage for Long Island. And as you know, Jenny, I think intention is very powerful. When you state your intent to the universe, and I think I'm paraphrasing something from Pablo Coelho, when you want something, the universe will, will conspire to help you get it. And I'm paraphrasing that. That's, I know that's from the alchemist. Uh, one of his better, you know, one of his good, really, really good books of many books that he's written. But essentially I got more than I had asked for. What I wanted was, was what I wanted was just some basic knowledge. What I got was a whole new perspective and a whole new understanding of life, death and life after death. So now we're going to, now we're back. I'll fast forward to that night. You want me to take over to that night? Why why don't you fast forward to that night? So we're going to go now to the night after the embracing power of change. Patty was involved, I think, in the planning and in the committee, and she was involved. She had a table, I think, for in Booth for Angel of Hope. That that, um, speech, that that workshop, was sponsored by the Angel of Hope, um, Angela's House, who I volunteered for. And he was sponsoring that and putting it together for his parents. Angela's House takes care of medically fragile children. So they have um, a lot of loss, um, Mm -hmm. children that are born medically fragile, needing, um, I guess, they need machines to keep them going. They need technology. So yeah. there's a lot of sadness. And they, he's the one that brought the angel of hope to Long Island. And that's its own little miracle how I got there. But Bob had said, Pat, would you be able to help me um, that night and you know set up a table for what the angel of hope work does? Because I did a ceremony every year. So mm-hmm. when Dave calls and says, hey, Pat, I'm going to see this uh, workshop by this gentleman, um, you know, where would be a good place to stay? And I'm like, well, Dave, I'm working at that workshop. I- I'm, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be handling it. <laughs> so literally he flew in, which the date was 11-11-10 of the workshop. The man that did it chose that day for, for the numbers. He liked the numbers 11-11-10. And so when Dave flew in that day, we uh, stopped off at uh, Jones Beach we had a wonderful walk. We discussed that in the book. We go to the workshop. Dave went his way. I went to my table. Afterward, we met up. We came back home. And I said, Dave, let's get acquainted because I literally don't know this man. <laughs> I really don't know this man at all. Um, Marco, when we came home, said, you know, I had a long day at work. I'm going to go to sleep. Um, I said, Dave, I'm going to set up a fire in my prayer room my meditation room and you go get changed, you know, in comfortable clothes. I'm going to go get changed. As I was getting changed, I hear the voice in my head of his daughter. I I don't even know of his daughter, but I hear a voice in my head saying, I need to talk to my dad tonight. And my answer to her was, well, you know what I can do. And I'm available for you. You know what he needs to hear. I don't, but just let me be available. And then Dave, you can share a quick synopsis of, yeah. How your perspective changed that night. Yep. 
So we're, we're sitting and I'm in very comfortable clothes, you know, very pajamas. And I just expect that we're going to have a nice, how do you do conversation, get to know each other, talk about, you know, philosophical backgrounds, just, just to get to know each other. And then I'm sitting in the room and then no sooner than Patty comes out, she goes, I need to tell you that your daughter is with us and she wants to talk with you. Okay. So for this is. Now, I, and this was, I was a person that had a very ambivalent relationship with spirituality. I didn't really put much stock in spiritual practices. I was more with my psychology background, very science-based. Mm-hmm. And it was almost, and I'd mentioned this in other settings, it was almost as if I had a fear of embracing spirituality. And I can, I can tell you after we get to the to the synopsis in terms of what I discovered years later in terms of why that might have been the case. And then Janine started talking to me through Patty. And this was, this was, I mean, Patty immediately got into like a cross-like position. I saw her energy shift to a very younger form of energy, very bouncy, you know, very bubbly. And that was Janine in real life. And there were times during the conversation that I had to look at her and I said, said, Janine, is that you? I said, and I was talking directly to her through Patty. Um, If you saw the movie Ghost with Patrick Swayze and Whoopi Goldberg, it was that kind of experience Mm -hmm. where the spirit of Patrick Swayze just basically enveloped, took over, you know, Whoopi Goldberg's physical body and communicated through his his wife through through that, through that, through that uh, method of communication. But the first thing she goes, why don't you listen to music anymore? Because we used to love music. We shared concerts together, uh, particularly concerts involving uh, the Goo Goo Dolls and the Gin Blossoms. We, we loved going, you know, we love sharing it, but particularly the Goo Goo Dolls. And she goes, well, why don't you listen to music anymore? And I said, to, said well, honey, because, or Janine, because just whenever it makes me sad, you know, and I'm paraphrasing that, you know, it makes mm-hmm. me sad. She goes, well, that's the, and uh, she goes, well, you I will say it exactly music. the way Janine said it. She goes, okay. but that's why you're supposed to listen to music. That's, a, that's why you're supposed <laughs> to listen to music. To feel me. She wanted him to feel her. Yeah. The love was still there. Yep. And for the entire weekend, and this is a synopsis because we got a 14 page journal and we talk about the, the major highlights in our book. But for that entire weekend, she said, look, their message was, I, I love how you honor me. I love how you do the work in honor of me. But you're more than that. You have other categories in your life that you're neglecting. You're neglecting your, your wife, my mother. You're neglecting my brothers. You're, you have other categories. I'm always going to be here. But you need to embrace the totality of who you are. That was the message. You, know, you need to be more than a bereaved parent. Mm-hmm. You, you need to embrace that. And then, and during that weekend, I got an introduction to Pat from Native American uh, uh, teachings of animals and nature, particularly those of Jamie Sams and Ted Andrews. First, she, and she's during one of the weekends here, I want you to turn the, the weekend says, we need to draw a card. So I'm just going to talk about the blue duck from the animal cards for Jamie, Jamie Sams. The first one I drew is a deer. And the deer's message is gentleness to self and others. And I had difficulty being gentle with myself after Janine's transition because as her father, I felt it was my job to protect her. Mm -hmm. I should have seen her cancer sooner. 
I should have convinced her to go to clinical trials. But basically what I discovered is that Janine lived on life on her own terms and she was going to transition on her own terms. She didn't want any of that. She just wanted to spend time with her, with her family. That's all she wanted. Um, she didn't want anything else. And Patty reminded me through Janine that it wasn't your job to protect me. It was your job to let me make adult decisions. So the whole weekend was Janine coming through, through Patty and reminding me, you are more than my transition, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm always going to be here. I'm going to guide you. You know, I'm going to, I'm always going to be with you, but you're more than your transition. And I want you to embrace that. So that weekend set me on a path of beginning to embrace, trying to beginning to take a journey of embracing all of who I was and recognizing, you know, what I could see is to be my highest potential, to do what I could do to help my students, to be a mentor to my students, to be a, uh, a support to individuals who are grieving, to be a better husband, to be a better father, and to be a better grandfather, as I have four grandchildren. So all of that mm-hmm. from one, one weekend. And I didn't question any of this, even with my scientific evidence-based thinking, because I asked for what I got. I had stated my intention. I asked for what I got. But what I got exceeded what I asked for. I got now a whole different perspective and understanding that our loved ones are never truly far away, that mm-hmm. they're, they're within reach, and that we can maintain that connection and learn to connect with them anytime. Um, and, oh, this led to marathon conversations that we have had. We were on the phone three or four hours at a time just talking about everything. And it just, you know, Patty exposed me to the importance of ancestral healing, understanding past life experiences, which gets me to the part about spirituality. And Patty also has told me, she goes, look, you don't need me as your only teacher. You you should have a variety of different teachers that you can go to at any time. That's just me. And one of those teachers is a shamanistic, holistic practitioner that I go see in the Utica area by the name of Susan Roback. And I've been doing some work with her for, oh God, probably seven, eight years at least, I think. So one time she, she'll put me on the table and she'll just scan my body and soul journey. Whatever comes up, she will tell me unless she feels that I don't need to know that at that particular time because it might do more harm than good which mm-hmm. I appreciate with those type of ethics, is, is those type of ethical practices is that I'm not going to tell you anything that I think is going, to, is, is going to do harm at this particular moment. But she said that she saw me at a different, different time, maybe I think in Roman times, Egyptian times, maybe Roman times, where she saw me being hung because I was a threat to those individuals where I was living because of my spiritual knowledge. So I'm thinking, well, that gives me kind of a sacred reason for understanding why I was so fearful of embracing spirituality in this lifetime. Because if I was hung for my spiritual knowledge in this lifetime, you can bet I'm going to protect that part of myself. Mm-hmm. But the challenges as a result of Janine's death transition, the weekend that I had with Patty changed all of that. It helped me again to be embrace a part of myself that was up, had been there but was forgotten. And then from there, the, the friendship has, has evolved. And obviously, we took our friendship, our discussions, 
my experience that we put into a book. Mm -hmm. So Patty, I have a question for you. What was that experience? What was that weekend like as a conduit for for Janine? It was fun. (laughs) Number one, fun. (laughs) I've had, um, that's one of the things, remember when I told you after I was ordained back in 1998, I had learned about all different spiritual practices and and rituals that you could do and, you know, learned about how other cultures and religions saw the world, the culture, the sacred path, what's beyond. They all had perspectives and ways to tap into it. Mm -hmm. So now when um, my daughter would go off to school and my husband would go off to work as I was a stay-at-home mom, I wasn't just a stay-at-home mom. I would sit there for hours and I would meditate and go into the different practices and pray and things would come through. And then I would read something that would say, oh, that's what that experience was. So I had had other opportunities where I felt the essence of others, of another um, spirit using my body to communicate. Mm -hmm. What happens is I, I kind of learned how to shift the essence of me, the essence of Patty, off to the side, and I allow the essence of another spirit to utilize this form, the human, mm-hmm. this being, yeah. to communicate. Now, sometimes I'll have in my head just thoughts and words mm-hmm. that I'm supposed to articulate in a way through compassion, through caring. Um, Thomas Horror talked about it, that if um, he, he uh, wrote a book about it, I should say. I, I did some um, classes, Association of Spiritual Psychology, and we learned about Thomas Horror, who said that if you just let your intuition, let that deep part of yourself, let the words and the compassion come through, that's from the greater um, universe. Mm-hmm. So I have learned in my studies from being ordained in 1998 all the way to 2010 and meeting Dave to understand the essence of communicating and transforming the self and how communication can go. But for me, it wasn't about entertainment. It was a spiritual sacred walk like mm-hmm. a minister would do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I wasn't going to be, uh, I, in fact, and if you ask anybody in those years that they say, oh, you're psychic. I'm like, no, I'm not. <laughs> to me, that was, that's entertainment. Entertainment put those terms on it, mediumship, psychics, um, channeling. To me, there were all ways for people to make money and become well-known. Mm-hmm. I wasn't interested in that. I just was curious as to how far I could take my secret relationships, my childhood secret relationships. So when I heard the essence of this child's voice, Janine, coming through, I, you know, like it, I can't even say child. For me, I, I, I'm a 50, you know, 49-year-old woman. I'm in my 50th year. That year I was going to be 50 in September. At uh, um, 2011, I would have been 50. So it was just around that time. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting there and I go to sit down. And remember, he still sees me as a minister. And all of a sudden, it was like this feeling came over me. And I felt like I was 18. I picked my legs up on the couch, cross them over. And I'm like, so why do you listen to music anymore? It, it was, I felt like an 18-year-old, excited, like, wow, I finally have my voice being heard person. And then as the weekend went on and she was becoming more comfortable with me and he was recognizing that it was her, Janine's sarcasm started to show up. (laughs) (laughs) And their relationship, there would be points in the morning, the next morning, and and Janine was having fun with it. 
And I can have fun with it too, because I recognize that they can use me. I, I allow them to take over. At points, it can be emotional and draining and exhausting. And there's so many emotions and so much responsibility that comes along with being able to transform your essence mm-hmm. and, and transmute it and let somebody else use your human being. Yeah. So Janine, the next morning, it was she was going to have fun with her father at my and I was going to be the conduit for her her tool to do this. Uh-huh. David very carefully in the morning I said, you know, David, you could make yourself at home. And he says, okay, you know, and he makes his own coffee in the morning when I came out of um, my bedroom and said, what would you like for breakfast? He goes, I'm thinking about oatmeal. So I take out, you know, the Quaker Oats oatmeal thing and I hand it to him and he's very careful. You know, well, let me put it this way. I could care less. When somebody's in my home, I don't make a mention. I want them to feel comfortable. And I'm not going to say anything. Here you go. Here's the oatmeal. And David's at the table and he's measuring it into a measuring cup, how much he's going to do. And all of a sudden something comes over me like, oh my God. And I walk over to him and I grab the oatmeal and I say, will you let me do that? Stop trying to be so neat or however I said it. And, and with this like sarcastic mode in me, starts pouring it and almost laughing at him. And then all of a sudden, as quick as she used me, she was gone. And I go, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I don't treat guests like that. And David just stood there laughing and said, it's okay. I know who that was. <laughs> well, and, and there, was, there was another time that her sarcasm came out too. And this is something that I think I do want to mention, Jenny, is that it was towards the end of, I think, the second night or, you know, that um, Janine or that um, Patty said, I'm going to play a song called Testify to Love. Okay. And she sang and she played it twice. And she gave me this backwards hug and said, you know, I because I, I love you very much. And I said, well, I love you too, Patty. And then all of a sudden, the sarcasm comes up and says, it's Janine, you jerk. Like that, <laughs> just, just like that. But there's significance with the backwards hug. Because the, the morning after the Beyond Words conference ended, in that morning, I had a dream where there was a faceless brunette giving me a backwards hug. And I thought that faceless brunette was Janine. And I thought the meaning at that point was for her to, you know, I thought the meaning was the point was, you know, you did a great job, you know, it was validation of, of, of the success of the conference. But as it turns out, that Patty replicated that backward hug, hug to a T and she, I never told her about the dream. So Janine it wasn't. So it was, Janine yeah. replicated the hug yeah. so that he could yeah. recognize her. Yeah. So I could recognize her, but it was also it wasn't the dream about well, you did a great job. It was a dream about we're gonna we're gonna usher you into a new beginning of your journey as a parent who's experienced you know the the physical loss of his daughter. That was the message, and uh, she. I mean, I never told Patty about the dream. Never told her. There was no reason to. So, we didn't know each other. No, mm-hmm. no, we didn't know each other. Yeah, we didn't know each other outside of that forty-five minute conversation that we had on the phone and the one hug we exchanged at the Turning Stone. None of this, we didn't know each other beyond that, and all of this transpired um, into a very real experience that got me further reevaluating how I looked at the world. You think that's what can happen when you integrate psychology 
and spiritual practices. And when you allow somebody to go out and and experience things from a level from the, that's coming through them from their soul, clarity can be found because it came from within. It's almost a, a remembering for them of something that's real. And what happened afterward is David would say to me that weekend, that Monday afterward, he, uh, when he went home, I always call and say, how are you doing? I know that's a lot. Um, what people will experience in my presence um, can be overwhelming. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to process it. So I always call afterward and just say, how are you doing? And then I would tell them, you know, listen, if I stay just with David, that leaves little room for others to come in. So I said to David, you know, I don't know how long I'm going to be in your life, but I'm going to stay as long as I feel, you know, called to help you through this transition. Well, I kept going on and there would be more lessons and more things that would come through. And our marathon phone conversations, we would, you know, sometimes three times a week. My husband would go out to play pool. His wife was working nights. We would get on the phone three hours at a time. Mm -hmm. And I would just share with him things that I'd experienced because I now knew he trusted. I could trust him to know I'm not making it up. Mm-hmm. Because some of the things that have happened to me are almost magical and sound fake, like something you see in a book. That's why I never wanted to share it with anybody or come out with it because I don't want to be questioned or backed into a corner. I know what's happening is truth. I can feel something, but I can't explain that feeling. David couldn't explain that feeling to anyone. He would say to me on phone calls, people, you know, Pat, I'm in psychology and the work and the way I've transformed, you could spend years doing this with psychology. People need to know how to integrate the two. You know, we should write about this. No, Dave, no, I don't want to be out there. I don't want to be questioned. I don't want to be challenged. I don't want to be entertainment. No, no, no. And something happened on a phone call in 2019 that, you know, we were joking about something magical that had happened again, Janine showing up another time or some other wisdom that came through and David finding more clarity. And once again, he said, you know, Pat, I really wish you'd do a book with me. And I said, yeah, what are we going to call it? The psychology minister met the the minister. And he goes, yeah, yeah, that'd be a good topic. I laughed. We hung up the next night when I said my prayers that night and the next morning, I heard in my head, yes, you need to write that book with him. We need, it's time, but it's time to help others understand how to integrate both. And who would have known back in 2019 how the world was going to be hit with challenges in 2020 with the pandemic and yeah. the amount of and the amount of separation and the fact that um, the way to get through so much of it, the younger generation is tapping into a higher sense of thought and awareness. The entire world. I, I mean, I knew this time was coming when I would do my meditations. Um, I would know that the future was going to bring another generation with born with a spiritual awareness and learning how to use it and learning how to balance it with the human experience. That's what, when we started out the book, the first part of it is about how Dave and I met and how things changed for Dave. Mm -hmm. And from a psychologist's point of view, from an academic point of view, how he came to terms with it. The second part of the book is about personal things that happened within the relationship for both of our growth. And the third part, which we call the present and future generations, it's for those indigo children. 
it's to those children that see the world through a different lens, that talk about um, other life forms, other sides of the consciousness, the ethereal, um, coming from different planets, coming from different places. The younger generation talks about that like, like it's a regular thing. You speak to people that are older. They have a hard time with it, but the younger ones get it. They're the indigo children. Mm-hmm. So I can now look back and say, wow, God did have a plan. And David's the voice. The book is written in David's voice, but we did the whole thing together. Mm-hmm. Everything, using me, the person that hates technology, learned how to use Google Documents. So here I'd be in South Carolina with my computer on the floor, looking at hummingbirds outside the window. And, and David and I are both, you know, filling in words. And, and then there were points that the words would start running through me. I thought, I can't type anymore. I have to go for a walk. And I would just start letting the words run through. David's sitting there on Google Documents typing away. And he's like, I can't type as fast as you're speaking. I can't do this. David went out and bought a tape recorder so he could tape the conversations. Mm-hmm. And he transposed it. So literally this book, I, we both believe, had three authors. We just didn't know how to credit God. <laughs> yeah. The, the divine source for that third part. We didn't know how to do it. So we always talk about it with people to say, there was a third author to this. They used me to speak the words so David could write them in a way so that they could hopefully touch others and inspire them to find more clarity. And clarity brings you to a sense of peace. Mm-hmm. And that that peace and that clarity is so, so needed right now, like with all the pandemics, not just COVID, but there's pandemics of so many kinds mm-hmm. that we're trying oh. to sort through. And the opioid addiction, the opioid addiction, the younger generation is using the opioids to step out of the reality of their human experience, which comes with so many challenges. Who am I in this world? How am I going to make a living? How am I going to work through the dramas that I felt when I was a child? They're not sure. And and the level of technology that makes them accessible to anybody from Japan, Australia, to their hometown, just by a simple phone. They can be standing anywhere and they can be getting news from Afghanistan, which can disrupt their peace. Mm -hmm. And then how do you manage talking to the people that are in front of you? or the dramas that are going on in front of you, within your workplace, within your home. It's too much. So they start to use other mind-altering things to try to find some kind of a balance, knowing that there's more. Native Americans use something called the peyote ceremony to help to step outside when the white men came and disrupted their culture and brought disease, brought war, brought annihilation. The ones mm-hmm. that were left behind, the Trail of Tears, the ones that were left behind used peyote to step outside and realize that we are who we are. So what's happening? And then the opioids, there's all things involved with it. So there's so many things that are disrupting the clarity and peace. But now we it, going through the spiritual and recognizing that we're here to have a human experience. Who do I want to be? Who do I want to become? Mm-hmm. Who do I see for my future in the midst of the traumas, dramas, and challenges of my everyday life? And I have to say to you, 
reading about the work that you do. Jenny, you are doing exactly that. You're showing up during people's dramas and challenges and their traumas, and you're helping them to find clarity and peace and discover all the different parts of themselves that they can be. Mm -hmm. You're doing the same work that David and I hope to do with the book. And I thank you and I congratulate you for being in the same kind of circle that we're in. Thank you. It's a good circle to be in. Yes, agreed. And using the trauma, the drama, the challenges, and also the clarity and the peace and the healing together, finding that balance and using all of it for our growth Mm -hmm. to become our best selves, to become our most highest, to live into our highest potential. That's Mm -hmm. right. right. And I think we're going to see more and more of that showing up in the world. I think it's already happening, but hopefully it'll become more noticeable. That will mm-hmm. become the um, majority. Not the mm-hmm. majority. That's what different um, books talk about is the fifth world of peace, um, time of revelation, the new beginning. The Maya New Year, which was 2012, was about a new time. Money is in power. Time of Aquarian the time of the greater connection to the divine source of all knowledge. And I think that's what we're in and, and not realizing it, the timing of the book. When I said yes, that day in 2019, did I realize that what we were going to be writing about? I just said, okay, Dave, I'll do it with you. And the book just came together. We wrote it literally. We started at the second week of May in 2020 during the pandemic. And we had the last section of it done by September of 2020. And then we started the editing process. And we had it, uh, we published it literally. Uh, we chose the date to publicly publish it was 3-1, the date that Janine crossed into her eternal self. That's awesome. Yep. Um, people wouldn't believe how the book came together. I mean, it just came together. And I should preface that we did have an earlier version in 2019, but we scrapped it after I think we got some some input from from a person who was our editor at the time. And after Patty and I talked and Spirit interceded, I was like, now we got to start over again. And that's so we wrote this version of the book in literally five months, literally. And you know, we we did final edits, so we had everything ready to go in March. That's amazing. Yeah, well, we did this around my school schedule, which tends to be very busy for me during the semesters, through other Patty's other obligations. We did this within a very concentrated five-month period, just working daily. Sometimes we'd work all day, just, um, you know, on specific chapters. So, so yeah, it, it, the, they came together and pretty much, we were working on Spirit Central time for sure. It wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 it was it's the Eastern Standard or Pacific Standard Time. It was Spirit Central Time. It was a light shade. I love that <laughs> um, because historically, I have not gotten along well with time, like the clock time. <laughs> I'm yeah. just now starting to be organized in time, and it feels like a huge miracle that I never would have expected in a million years, like not in, in eternity lifetimes, would I belong in the same sentence with time? Mm-hmm. And I love spiritual centered time because 
spiritual central time because even with my human relationship with time or my not human relationship with time whatever you want to call it um not not sympathetic relationship with time when i would show up like 20 minutes late or wherever it would be exactly the right time because of spirit central (laughs) central time that's exactly it and but we as americans especially tend to look at the clock okay i have this much time to do this and we section our days out within a period of time be there at this time be there at that time and we're rushing but sometimes when you just let go and like dave and i would go in our corner of the world like i said i sat on the floor <laughs> you left but i sat on the floor had this um box of my daughter uh sent us fruit once and it comes in these boxes and the square box. That was my table that I put the computer on, on the floor, looking out the window on my balcony where I had three feeders for hummingbirds. And I was watching the hummingbird feeders. So sometimes I'd be sitting there looking at them. Wow, Dave, there's three hummingbirds out the door. And he'd be like, okay, Pat, we need to focus. <laughs> that would lead me to, you know, and that spirit central time, because I would go off into this other place just looking at the hummingbirds and that would then take me back to the memories and the words that needed to be said and if you think hummingbird in native american culture from jamie sam's book is a hummingbird can go forwards sideways left right north south east west up down in a split second and if you think about it that's what we tried to do in the book we were going back to honor our past to create this book for a future that could be, the book can be an inspiration for others. So if you think about it, we were in essentially working with hummingbird medicine mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to be able to go backwards, forwards, sideways, reflect, look, what are we looking to do with this book to inspire future people? Anybody that reads it, that could be in grief, that could be at a loss of, you know, I, I miss my child, I miss my husband. And they receive a sign. There's a heart that keeps showing up every day in different places. Mm -hmm. Or the cardinal keeps showing up. They feel something, but they don't know how to articulate it. Or should they believe it? Do they believe it? So a big question that I always say to people first is, I ask everybody, and I asked this to Dave that day, what do you believe? Mm -hmm. What do you believe happens to you when you pass away? Put the focus on yourself. If you look at it for yourself, that your body no longer is mechanically working, whether it be a tragic accident, whatever happens, your body is no longer able to function and house your spirit so that you can have a physical relationship. What do you think happens to that essence of who you are? Do you think that you're just puff gone? Or do you believe that you go on someplace? And if you do go on, wouldn't you want to connect with your loved one? Wouldn't, how would you start? Would you start by sending them a simple animal that you could attach your spirit to and bring it to them to give them hope? Mm-hmm. Would you use that dragonfly? Would you use that cardinal? Would you use that blue jay? Or mm-hmm. would you use the music and play a song that makes you think of them? Would you come to them in the dream time? When your body isn't the focus in your everyday human life, you would come to them in the dreams. And then manifest it in another way. Would you use that person that has learned to communicate, whether they be called a medium, a psychic, a channeler, would you use them 
to be the voice or the one to show you a sign. So what do you do now that you've made that connection? How do you take it to the next level? Mm -hmm. Well, if you ask that of yourself, how would you do it with your loved one if they were still left behind? Take it and bring it to ownership of yourself. Then you'll be able to figure out and own what your loved one from the other side is doing for you. Does that make sense? Yeah, it totally does. And do you see differences in, like, I believe that our loved ones, that everyone has their own personality, their own choices, their own path, processing, everything, um, their own identity. Yeah. Um, so how often is it different? I mean, how often is it that our loved ones who have passed on use a different method for connecting than the loved ones who are still here? Oh, like how much does individuality play in that connection? Oh, it always does. It always does because they're going to bring out the essence of their personality so that the person on this plane can recognize them. Yeah. Like, they're going like, to at first come through like, like his daughter with the sarcasm. Mm -hmm. That made it easy for him to identify. Yeah, and I think for me, Janine came through in a way that I would recognize her then I knew it was her in real life with the sarcasm, with the really bouncy, and I call it Tigger energy, mm -hmm. you know, that, that she, she had. And when she manifests, it's usually in that, but she also manifests in different form of energy. You know, so I'll see numerology that typically involves uh, one or three, or if, you know, if I add up the numbers, it comes out to 13. There was one time in the, in my, the inside of my garage door, there was a figure eight, which is the infinity symbol. Mm -hmm. That was literally, and our garage is a fortress. You can't get in unless you, unless I let you in. And it was on the inside of the garage door window on her, on her birthday month. It was April of 2012. And that infinity symbol literally stayed, Jenny, for about eight years. I, I, and I, I, I instructed my wife, I, I instructed her. I just asked her, I said, please don't wash the window. <laughs> okay. and his wife is meticulous sherry yeah, she's, is she's, don't she's wash amazing the window. yeah yeah she don't wash the window uh-huh and she's you know, a she, wonderful organizer yeah, wonderful cleaner she is, she is. i said please don't wash the window because this is a, a i believe it was a sign from my daughter mm -hmm. and the, where my house is it's off route county route 26 and if you have two and six it's eight so people ask me, where do you live? I said, I live right off of Infinity Boulevard. It's Route 26. <laughs> um, you come to my house, you'll see the big figure eight in the inside of the garage. Although now that that has faded away, but it stayed there literally for probably eight years, seven, eight years before it finally see, disappeared. So, I mean, she made his transformation in how yep. he thinks. Yeah. So now when I see, everything. yeah. So yeah. now when I see, see numbers three, one, I know it's her. Um, you know, if I meet somebody who has the same name as my daughter, I know it's, you know, she's coming through. So this is how all my awareness changed. And I didn't have to abandon my core beliefs about science to do this. It was just using different perspectives to create awareness that could help me understand better my connection to myself and the greater world around me. Give me a context for my behavior and help me understand my behavior as it relates to myself and others. Mm -hmm. And it didn't require me to abandon my core beliefs. It was always in addition to my beliefs as opposed to instead of, which is another thing that, that I know Patty had learned in the seminary and she passes that not only to me, 
but to other individuals who cross your path. That's what do you believe? Mm -hmm. How can we enhance your belief system? How can we incorporate some other practices that speak to you that can help you give you greater clarity? And that's, that's what, to me, the integration of psychology and spirituality is about bringing greater clarity to ourselves, our behavior in the world, and understanding how we relate to the world around us. And that's really what it is. Yeah. What they taught in the seminary is, um, Rabbi Joseph Gelderman said, when you learn a new religion, it's not instead of the one that you were born into. It's in addition to. Mm-hmm. And if you think about that, everything you learn, it's not instead of, it's in addition. It's expansion. It's critical thinking. It's thinking outside of the box and coming up with your own conclusion as to what do I believe. So, Dave, I have a question for you. When Patty first asked you about what you believe in, what happens in the afterlife or after you die, how did that that practice or that process help you accept Janine more? Well, the first thing is I, I think I started on the path in the weekend of Long Island because I believe what had happened that was real mm-hmm. to me. So I started on the path that was just like, now where do I go from here? Okay. And I had to trust as our old, my relationship with Patty evolved that her in conjunction with spirit, with God, whoever happened to show up at that particular time would, would guide me on the path, would show me the door. My job was to be aware enough to say, okay, this is the path I wanted to go on. Mm-hmm. After that first weekend, I gravitated. I, I was so, it was like I remembered how to do Native American animal cards. I remember that it was like a very natural fit for me. So that's where I went. And then eventually we talked about ancestral healing, about some practices that, um, so that I could do to, to kind of come peace to some unresolved issues that I had with my mom and father during our, during their lifetime mm-hmm. with my mom and dad, you know, it was, it was, it was those things. And I was on the road to acceptance in Long Island. It was just a matter of, okay, what can I learn more? And I was started for knowledge. Now I said, Patty, I want to learn more. And that's what happened. I just, that one weekend opened me up to so much more mm-hmm. and opened me up to using my natural inquisitiveness grounded in science to now go to the spiritual order and say, okay, how can we merge these two worlds yeah. so that it could fit seamlessly and help us, you know, help us better develop clarity. So that's how that all, that all evolved. And it's continued to evolve. I will continue to learn until the day that I transition. Mm-hmm. It's not going to stop. And I'm continuing to learn more and more as I, as I progress. And it's a, it's been a fun adventure. I never thought I'd say fun as a word in the aftermath of, of losing, of experiencing the worst loss that I ever experienced as a, as a as individual yeah. and as a parent having a child die and of the circumstances that she died and witnessing that, that was, um, you know, the worst possible experience of my life. You want to talk about trauma, that was trauma personified. But here's how my perspective shifted. I'm going to, I have to say this one more time. I was there with Janine at the moment of her transition. And Patty knows where I'm going with this. And I Patty and I read one of our conversations, I think it was probably a couple of years after we met. And I said, you know, Patty, I always remember Janine's last day on earth as me being the last person to see her alive. 
to mm-hmm. witness her death. And she goes, well, what if you looked at it as if you were the first person to usher her into your, her new eternal life? And I'm thinking about that, and I said, you know, that's a different way of looking at it, is that I was with her at the moment that she ushered into a new existence of, of love, of bliss, uh, in, 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 into eternal life. So I said, and that helped me. I got that softened the moment of her transition more for me when I looked at it. And when I found myself going back to the sadness, I recall what Patty had said and automatically that sadness dissipated. Mm-hmm. So these, these were just other ways that my perspective shifted. Seemingly very small shifts, but at the same time, very monumental in terms of what it did for my, for my mindset. Yeah. So, Absolutely. So I hope that answered your question and that made some sense. Yeah, it totally did. Okay, cool. What messages, I think we will end on this question. What messages or what message or messages do you wish to convey to your readers through your book? First of all, is that there is no one way to deal with challenging circumstances. Everybody agrees different, but everybody deals with it differently. I think it's important to determine what you believe and ask yourself, are my current beliefs going to help me deal with the transition as is, or do I need to incorporate some different perspectives? And we can do that without abandoning our core beliefs. The second thing is, I think, integrating psychology with a variety of spiritual practices. And I tell individuals, see what speaks to you. Mm-hmm. you know, it's like going to, a, going to a, see what speaks to you. Is it crystal healing? Is it crystal energy? Is it um, Reiki? Is it yoga? Is it meditation? Is it sound therapy? What are some practices that you can integrate that can help you, you know, develop greater peace, develop greater clarity and awareness? Is it setting up a specific continuing bonding activity with your loved one where you do things like burn incense, listen to music that they shared, that you both shared? And just invite them into your sacred space. It's whatever's going to work for you. As long mm-hmm. as what you believe is not hurting yourself, it's not hurting anybody else, it's, it's, an, it's, it's, all, it's all good. The other thing is that we, I think we wanted, to, we wanted to convey the message that it is important, that there's room for the way everybody believes. And we can witness that without judgment. We can witness that and choose to learn from it or choose not to learn from it. We don't have to defend turf. I mean, there's room for different beliefs. If we can witness that, witness those beliefs, we can now begin to incorporate those things at work. The second thing is for the young adults, and particularly for those indigo children and those children who have struggled with their own intuitiveness and trying to just fit into a, to a world and trying to hide those abilities, um, don't. Because there are more of, of more children who are coming into this world relating to the world multidimensionally than you can think of. I've had several students in talking in our death, dying, and bereavement class. And we talk a lot about uh, past life with work with Brian, um, you know, Brian Weiss, past life regression therapy. We talk about reincarnation studies of Ian Stevenson and Jim Tucker, all science-based information, near-death experiences. I've had students tell me after those conversations that, you know, I've seen the world this way. I've been very intuitive. I, I, I connect with spirit, but I'm afraid to say anything because I'm afraid I'm going to be seen as being different or, or I'm going to be ostracized by my, 
like Patty. Okay. <laughs> so we want our book to give people permission to embrace whatever they believe, add to their additional, add those beliefs to their additional core beliefs, spiritual practices, and also give a voice for those individuals, those those children, young adults, to come out and can have permission to be who they are. So that's mm-hmm. the messages we want to convey. Yeah. Well said. Well said. Anything you want to, uh, want to add, Patty? Um, at this time, I, I think David really covered it well. You know, everybody to think about what is it you believe happens to you. What do you really believe? And, and think of it within yourself. I don't look for people as an interfaith minister. I don't ask them, what's your religion? I ask them, what do you believe? Is there room for expansion? And I offer people tools. It's like I picture this imaginary table in front of them, and here are tools. I'm leaving them on the table. You pick them up. I tell them to put them in the Rolodex of your brain or leave it on the table. And when you're ready, you'll pick them up. Mm -hmm. And it's about your journey. You're the author of your story. You're the main character. You decide how you want people to see you and who's in your book. And for yeah. how long they'll stay yeah. there. And you are the co-creator of your own yeah. experience with with uh, with spirit, with the universe. You you have you can be empowered. We want this to be a book of empowerment for for people on all levels, past, mm-hmm. present, you know, you know, present and future generations. We want this book to empower them to the where they want to be empowered. Yeah, so we think we think there's something for everybody in the book. Mm-hmm. We think there's we something there for is. everybody. We hope there oh. is. And, and it's true. The whole story, there's nothing that was made up. It really was no. true. And it's still scary for me at points that yeah. I took something very personal and let it get out there. But um, it just, everything seems to be falling into place. Even conversations with you, I feel very safe yeah. in sharing everything. And I thank you. We, we, we sat on this for 10 years, and we, but we chose to come out with it now. And there was a, a mm-hmm. bit of fear on both of our our sides for coming up, you know, me working in a science-based field, how are my colleagues going to look at this? Are they going to, you know, how are they? And they've been very supportive and they've been very responsive and um, at Utica College, and it seems like I've been putting in a plug for Utica College, but I'm going to, they got a $2.8 million grant to establish the Center for Integrative Medicine. So they're looking at how can we merge science and spiritual practices. For healing. for healing, and and it, and that's this is the wave of the future. This that's is the awesome. wave of the future. Yeah, so that's 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 all I got for now. Mm-hmm. I'm just gonna say one last thing, uh, Patty. When you were talking, and then Dave, you said co-creating. As you were talking, Patty, I was thinking we are co-creators in our life. That's yeah. it. So we are. We are. We are. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you mind if we show you the book? So no, uh, fantastic. This is the book, When the Psychology Professor Met the Minister. That's a rendition of a man, which would be Dave, with the white light. You can, after you read the book, decide if that's Janine or if it's me or if it's somebody that you know. And you could be that person walking in. Dave, that's actually a picture of uh, one of Dave's classrooms. My husband did the graphics and he took actual, when I had spoken in one of his classes, Dave took a picture of me and Marco used that um, to actually do all of it. And even the part here where it's, I don't know if I can get it. That's Dave's handwriting 
what do you uh, believe? That's <laughs> Dave awesome. Adams. That's actually his handwriting, and we tried to do it that way. And, and uh-huh. the tagline is how the woman on the corner of Hunter and Women uh, Whittier, which was the corner of where my house was. I've moved from that house, so I'm not there anymore. Okay. Permanently, <laughs> permanently transforms one academic's worldview. Um, it's available on Amazon. You can type in either Dave Roberts or you can type in Patty Fiorino or the title, and you should be able to come up with it. Yep. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for inviting us and spending this time with us and allowing us to be so honest and open on so many levels. It's been an amazing journey for me too. Yep. And, um, and it's, it's been great. It's always, it's always great to get together with you, Jenny too. I've always enjoyed, I enjoyed our first conversation. I enjoyed this one just as much. And it was great having Pat be a part of it because there wouldn't be a me if it wasn't for her. And I always tell her that. And she's too humble to, she's very humble. But I wouldn't be to where I was at this point if it wasn't for her guidance. Yeah. I'm just the instrument. I'm just the instrument because I, I mean, it's not like I have stuff that I learned in school. I don't know what I'm going to say to somebody when I have a session with them. I call it spiritual counseling Mm -hmm. because it's spirit that guides what comes through me or how I respond or what I say. Those on the other side know what you need more yep. than I can figure out or more than any book or any writer or whether it be young or whoever you read about. Only that on the other side can really guide you to find the best clarity and peace. Yep. Mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. I agree. And it also takes a certain level of commitment, of purity, of of work on the conduits of the tools part. Yes. Mm-hmm. So it's it's spirit, like Dave was saying, co-creation. It's spirit plus us working together as a like as a conduit mm-hmm. for others. Yes. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. Uh, I always have a vision, you know, um, spirit has me, I'm, um, well, at points, I think I'm a saxophone and at points I like to think I'm a clarinet, <laughs> you know, it, it, and they blow me through. <laughs> it, it, or sometimes I feel more like the saxophone or the tuba, but it, in my mind, it's like, I really want to be that clarinet. <laughs> yeah, you, know, you know, the one thing that kind of came to mind when you guys were mentioning co-creation, for some reason, Ram Das came into my head oh. and I was thinking that we were all just walking each other home. You know, and we're doing that. We're co-creating and just that's all we're trying to do is just walk each other home. Yeah. And I you knew know. that as soon as you said Ram Das, that's the quote that yeah. came into my mind. So I knew yeah. you were going to say that. We all yeah. connect. That's awesome. We're all we connected. All, we're all connected. That's why this is so great. This is so, you know, like coming on and talking with you. I didn't know you, you don't know how it's going to flow, but it's really <laughs> good. It's great. Yeah. yeah. Oh, really wonderful. Thank you. Awesome. Well, thank, thank you for having us. Thank you both of you for joining us. And um, Dave, where can people find you? Well, they can find they can find me on Facebook, obviously. You know, mm-hmm. on Facebook, Instagram. My son calls me the world's oldest millennial, so I'm on LinkedIn. I'm all over the place on social media. But to find Patty and me, we have an email address. It's psychologyprofessorandminister at gmail.com. We also have a website dedicated to the book, which is www which is psychologyprofessorandminister.com. Um, in there, we have a link to our about the, you know, about the book and a link to purchase it on Amazon. 
but we also have our bios and we also have a blog, The Story Continues, which recently we've had individuals contributing their stories of transformation, awesome. which has been cool. And we've got a couple up on the site. So, um, so it's, you know, so that, that's where you can find us. Awesome. Um, that's, that's where you can find us. And, you know, we'll be happy to, to respond to any inquiries and questions that people have about anything. Awesome. You want to help the world become a better place. Yep. Yeah. That's our, that's, that's our mission. You can't stop all traumas and dramas, but you can try to help people to get to the other side. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. And Patty, if people are interested in working with you in particular, where can people find you? On the website, if you go to the, um, Dave, what part of the website is it um, the contact? Is it the contact page? Yeah, yeah it's I'm contact. not the technology person. If they go to a contact us page, they'll see an email address, which is psychologyprofessoradministrator at gmail.com. They hit that, they're going to reach both me and Pat. Okay. Because, so that's our account. So if anybody wants any individual services with either one of us or with him, you know, with either or one both of, us, of us or both of us wanted to work with both of can, us, it, they, that type of thing. It's yeah. Yeah. yeah they could, they can agree with either, either one of us, either us, us, one of us individually or both of us together. They can just email us at that inquire. They can email at that address and we'll both, we'll both get it. Awesome. And I'll put those in the show notes and in the comments Sounds um, good on Facebook. That sounds great. Thank you. And thank you again for everything and continued success in your work. Thank yes. you to you too as well as well. Blah. Human moment. <laughs> yes, I have, I have quite a few of those. <laughs> All right. You can just ask any of my students. I shatter I shatter the myth of imperfection probably with my first email. <laughs> so and then I tell them, I said, see, I thought I was perfect, didn't you? I'm not. So <laughs> so awesome. Thank you for joining us today on this episode of Share Your Story, Exploring Humanity One Heart at a Time, where we share real-life experiences of converting grief into growth. Just a reminder, we will be moving from a weekly to a bi-weekly release schedule starting in January of 2023 with subscription-only content on some of the off-weeks, so be sure to subscribe to the show so you don't miss out on exclusive interviews and insights. And if you are struggling with your grief and would like help, I have recently opened the enrollment for my program, Converting Grief into Growth. It is an individualized coaching program to support you in and through your grief and or teach you to support others as they do the same. Converting Grief into Growth consists of eight one-to-one sessions that each include a writing prompt and relevant action steps that you can implement immediately. The length of the program is individualized because each journey is different. We all have different losses, different styles of grieving, and different processing speeds. As a result, each journey will be individualized. We will go as fast as possible and as slow as necessary to get you long-lasting and permanent growth in your life. So far, all of my clients have finished the program in two months or less and are still reaping the benefits of their time with me more than a year later. If, however, after two months you feel like you still need more time, you can purchase a monthly add-on for continued support. Through the end of the year, I'm offering Converting Grief into Growth for 50% off. If this is something you'd like to explore further, reach out to me through my website, grievingcoach.com, or send me an email at jenny at grievingcoach.com. We'll schedule a time to chat and see if this is a good fit for you. 
It's been another amazing conversation here on Share Your Story, exploring humanity one heart at a time. Thank you listeners for tuning in and receiving these stories. If you appreciated this episode, remember to subscribe to the show so you don't miss out on special subscription-only content. If you are struggling with grief and would like to make it more manageable, schedule a call through my website, grievingcoach.com, and I will give you one tool that you can implement today. Until next time, remember that all of our experiences make us who we are and that we can turn grief into growth. You are known and loved in more ways than you could ever imagine. Your voice matters. So share your story.